Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. At the Turn is brought to you by Vice Golf. Vice is a German company that makes premium quality golf balls for half the premium price. The Pro and Pro Plus were awarded a gold medal on Golf Digest's annual hot list making Vice the only small company to win the magazine's highest award. Use the promo code TURN when you check out at vicegolf.com to get free shipping. It's promo code TURN, T-U-R-N. Golf balls shouldn't cost more than the round of drinks afterwards. What's your vice? This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Welcome into another edition of At The Turn. The Masters has just wrapped up. Joe, Nick, we're with you this afternoon. And Patrick Reed is now a Masters champion. Nick, he's one of your favorites. What are your thoughts? I'm excited for the guy. I think he I think he deserves it. I think he's earned it. Uh, he takes a lot of heat and a lot of criticism. A lot of guys don't like him. A lot of fans don't like him. And I get the feeling a lot of guys on tour don't like him. Um, but he, I've always felt like he's true to himself and he's very passionate. And um, I, I'm happy for him. And I like the fact that he needed, you know, to make kind of a stressful three or four footer for par on the 18th hole to win it. I think that was... Uh, you know, that that was fun, and I enjoyed that. Well, today was certainly fun. It was basically everything you could ask for for the last nine uh, for a Sunday at the Masters. Obviously, Jordan Spieth, what he did, Ricky Fowler finishing in second place. Uh, we'll talk a lot about some of the people on the periphery. We'll get to Tiger and Phil, Rory struggles. Uh, but obviously, let's start with Jordan Spieth, who shot – what did he shoot today? He shot a, shot a 64 today. He started the day nine back and was tied with Patrick Reed after making birdie on 16. Uh, Jordan Spieth parred 17. He had a really good chance for birdie, which would have given him the outright lead. Hit a terrible drive on, eight, on 18. He hit some trees and it dropped straight down. The ball finishes short of the fairway. So I don't know about well, you, Nick. Well, but I think you need to pause a little bit oh? before you say hit a terrible drive. It was a terrible result, but like when I think of a terrible drive, I think of Rory's hook on the tenth at Augusta. You know when he when he first had a chance to win, it was just a bad shot. Spieth's was a good. It it got kind of unlucky. Like a, it barely nicked some trees. It looked like if it it was like a, a couple of feet away from being really good. So yes, terrible result. But I wouldn't like trash Spieth that he had a terrible shot. Well. 
considering the day that he had, and he probably knows that he needed to make a birdie to have a realistic chance, and it turned out that he did need to make a birdie. He was at 14 under going into that hole. 15 under would have gotten him in a playoff. He ended up um, giving himself a really good chance to save par from about five feet, missed the putt, shoots 64. Um, but it, it, it was, I mean, I'm sure I scared my girlfriend half to death, all the screaming that I did with what Spieth was doing. Uh, the best shot of the day he hit, he had 227 off of the pine straw at 13. He hit it to 12 feet, and I had like six text conversations going during the Masters. But the line of the of the whole weekend goes to my buddy Doug, who will never listen to this podcast. He says, that'll make your girlfriend put her phone down. And I had to give him credit <laughs> for that. Uh, Spieth did miss the eagle putt, made birdie. Um, and again, just another incredible Masters for Jordan Spieth. Disappointing, sure, for him to bogey 18 and not be able to get into a playoff with Patrick Reed, but he certainly applied a lot of pressure to Patrick Reed. And Jordan Spieth, that is his fourth top three finish in five Masters starts. He was the first-round leader. He shot a 66, a couple of mediocre rounds Friday and Saturday, and then uh, lit the course on fire Sunday and finished uh, two shots back. Yeah, that's really impressive, uh, that that statistic, his fourth top three finish. Um I missed a lot of the afternoon today, and I came in right as Spieth was draining that really long birdie putt, I think, at that point to get him within one. And um, I knew he wasn't really in contention to start the day, but I guess it was kind of no surprise that um, all of a sudden, towards the end of the day, he was right in the thick of things. Yeah, we actually put out a poll on Twitter last night that said, who do you think is going to win the Masters, Fowler, Reed, Rory, or Rom? <laughs> Jordan Spieth wasn't even an option <laughs> And he almost (laughs) won the golf tournament. The largest comeback ever was uh, uh, six strokes, rather. Uh, Nick Faldo did that when Greg Norman collapsed back in 1996. But, yeah, just an incredible day for Spieth. And I guess at this point, one of the questions with Spieth is, how many Masters do you think this dude is going to end up winning? Coming into this week, people were saying he wasn't going to be a factor because his putting had been so poor, even though, as far as Vegas was concerned, he was one of the heavy favorites. But I'd be surprised if he won anything less than four Masters in his career. I mean, he's in his, what, is he 24, 25 right now? He's in that range. Yeah, you know, you, you got to think he's going to have 20 more years of uh, of really, I mean, it kind of sounds crazy to say being in his prime, but essentially, yes. Um, and if he capitalizes on, if he's in the top three for the last four years, you know, he capitalized on a couple of those. Um, you're looking at every, every few, you know, maybe five years, he's going to have a real good chance of... Uh, getting that green jacket. So, yeah, that puts him right in that in that range, Joe. Okay, so I've avoided it as long as we can, but the man did win the golf tournament. Patrick Reed is now a Masters <laughs> champion. I was wondering when we were going to mention him. <laughs> he's, he's finished 15 under. He shot 71 today. He was even on the front nine. He bogeyed 11, birdied 12, and then birdied 14, which really got him to where he needed to be. Uh, got him to 15 under, which is where he stayed. An interesting stat about Patrick Reed. Played the par fives in 3.91 strokes per par five the first three days. So he averaged below a birdie every time he was on a par five. And today he made five, 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 and five. Four, five, four, four pars on the par fives today. So despite not taking advantage of those, he still managed to shoot under par. And boy, from really the opening hole... It felt like it was going to be, oh, man, Patrick Reed has to really hang on to win this thing. His first tee shot, he hooked it way left, was stymied by a tree, ended up making a bogey. And just I, 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 as much as I don't like the guy, and I really don't, 
unless it's right <laughs> unless, unless it's time for Ryder Cup. I like him. I like him one week every two years. But I have to say, I was really impressed with the way he hung in there and he did what he had to do, and he won the Masters. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it. Um, it wasn't one of those tournaments where he ran away with it. The pressure was on all day. There was oh, I mean, he started off and it was him and Rory. And uh, I think Rory was feeling the pressure because I saw a quote from him last night that was kind of saying, oh, all the pressure's on Patrick Reed. You know, uh, he's from the he went to school in the Augusta area and he's the leader. So all the pressure's on him, which made me really feel like Rory was feeling a lot of pressure. Um, and, and he was so he had Rory breathing down his neck and then Fowler was right there and Spieth makes that charge. Patrick Reed had to really be in control of his of himself and be on top of his game all day today it wasn't one of those where you know he, he made a few you know birdies early and then ran away with it so i think it really was impressive the way he um the way he just composed himself for 18 holes after sleeping on the lead you know to win his first major um so I, i'm interested to see because i i could get the feeling from the broadcasters from the fans and from the other guys you know like I think Ricky made kind of a comment off air or even on air that like kind of said to me that he wasn't too happy for his buddy Patrick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was pretty obvious when you saw reactions to shots when Reed hit a great shot and then when Spieth and Fowler hit a comparable good shot, the way the fans reacted, it was quite clear that they wanted Spieth or Fowler and not Reed to win the tournament. Yeah, so I'll be interested to see if if his popularity grows. Uh, and you know, a- after this, but I'm kind of surprised after that Ryder Cup performance that he's not a little bit more popular here. Um, but yeah, I guess he's just not a very likable dude. But uh, now he's a Masters champion, and I, <laughs> I think it's awesome. I'm not gonna litigate what Patrick Reed has been accused of in the past, which is I think contributes to his. No, that's that. That's definitely it. His, so you think that that's what. That that's it. People people knowing his past. So for folks that aren't familiar, he has been accused of a lot of things, specifically in his college career. So I I, I guess let's just get into it. Um, he was heavily recruited. He's from Texas, heavily recruited by the University of Georgia, you know, SEC school. He was there one year, got kicked out of school for undisclosed reasons. Then he transferred to Augusta State. Yes, that same Augusta. They won two national championships and... Patrick Reed, during his time at Augusta State, was accused of cheating multiple times on the golf course. Not like infidelity, like he cheated on his girlfriend, like (laughs) writing down the score that he didn't make on a hole. And he was also accused of stealing $400 and accused of stealing a putter from his teammates. And this all came out in a book uh, that was published a few years ago that I actually bought on Amazon because I was searching. No, you didn't, Joe. I I totally did. (laughs) The the research was, you know— I typed in Google, why do people hate Patrick Reed? And this book came up and articles came up. And, you know, an an assistant coach at Augusta State, because the author took a lot of heat, but assistant coach at Augusta State essentially corroborated the stories that were in there about Reed saying, yeah, this stuff's pretty much true. So I don't know how much of it is his actual demeanor on the course, uh, how much of it is actually what he's done in his past. But for whatever the reason is, people don't like Patrick Reed, even though he's young, even though he's American. He's definitely not in that conversation with Spieth, Fowler, Thomas, DJ. We don't think of him that way. And now his record is becoming close to those guys. He probably has a half dozen wins. He now has a major. He's a Ryder Cup hero. He's 30 years old or younger. He's probably in that 30-year-old range. And 
I still don't think that this is going to put him in that conversation because of the way he is viewed in his public persona. But you think it may differ a little bit, or you just kind of want to see what happens? I, I want to see what happens. Um, I, I think that, that people kind of marry the two together when it comes to his past and his on-course demeanor. That you know they, they hear all these, you know, I think people in the golf world are pretty familiar with that story you just told. Um, and then they see his on-course demeanor and personality, and they say, yeah, this, he's not a good dude. I don't like him, which I can't blame them for. Um, I, I tend to believe those stories from his college days just because, uh, like you said, they've kind of been corroborated. I think it's kind of accepted that that's you know, how he went about his business. Um, and, yeah, he definitely gives people a reason. He's kind of, you know, I don't want to call him a punk, but he kind of gives people a reason to, uh, you know, be, I don't know, skeptical of his of his character uh it seems like on the course with his just kind of demeanor he's very fiery he's very he's very animated i that's kind of what i like about him like especially in that Ryder cup i mean i always kind of liked him before because he was very he, he wasn't uh he didn't hide his his thoughts about how great he was i think when he first started winning or, or making noise he yeah. was saying oh i'm gonna get to number one in the world and he was like not even in the top hundred but just his self-confidence and people that kind of rub people the wrong way, but then he kind of has ascended to now he's a Masters champion. So he, he's always believed in himself and never been shy about about saying that. And so people took that, they put that with his past, and they said, "Yeah, I don't like this guy." Well, you juxtapose someone like Patrick Reed with the runner-up in the Masters, Ricky Fowler. Who? Yeah. What I love about Ricky Fowler is the way he dresses, a lot of the hype that surrounds him, his his success. While he's been he, an incredibly successful golfer. The amount of hype he gets does not match his record. He has every opportunity to be someone you wouldn't want to root for, but he is, to me, one of the easiest golfers to root for in the world because he is so level-headed, right? Like, he made, he he birdied the 72nd hole in the Masters to give himself a shot to be in the playoff, and his reaction was so nonchalant and, like, expected and just confident and humble. He just seems like such a good dude, and to me, he is... I think I think because of his demeanor, it it justifies the hype, even if his record doesn't. Like he hasn't won a major yet. Yeah, I, I think you're kind of being a little harsh on I him. Mean, yeah, he doesn't have the wins, um, but his overall performance, his consistency, he's always been there. I mean, like if you compare him to Spieth, obviously, you know he he comes up short, and and I think uh, that's the knock on Ricky. He says he hasn't won enough, he hasn't won the big ones enough, but. Um, he's always been there. I mean, he did have a year where he finished top five in all four majors. He's finished second in, this is not his first major he's finished second in, I believe. No, it's not. Um, so it's not like he's, it's not like he's a trash golfer, you know, <laughs> and no, just, just way overhyped. I would, I would stop short of saying Rip, Ricky Fowler's overrated for well, sure. I'm not going to say he's overrated, but what I would say is that more people know who Ricky Fowler is than Justin Thomas is. And Justin Thomas certainly has a better record than Ricky Fowler. Yeah, for sure, but he's also Ricky's been around a little bit while, a little while longer. That's true. And Ricky and Ricky kind of molded, you know, when he was first out. I mean, he wears orange still, but it was it was a little bit more in your face orange. He had the long hair, um, so it was it was a huge splash in the scene. And Justin Thomas is is way more under the radar. He lets his game do all the talking, which is why people know who he is now. But you know, Ricky, you know, burst onto the scene. He was rookie of the year, and that was probably. How many years ago now, Joe? Like six years ago, seven years ago? I would say closer Four? to eight, nine, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's got a little more shelf life on uh, on just on Justin Thomas. No, I mean, I I don't, I don't want to make it seem like that. I think Ricky is overrated. Uh, he's an incredible player. I I think he'll probably win some majors. 
and he does perform well in the big events. Like he, Ricky's had a good season; he's won, but he hasn't been, you know, knocking on the door in top fives every week coming into the, the Masters. And you know, look, he shot 67 on Sunday, and stuffed it on the 72nd hole to make a birdie. He was very steady on the front nine today. He kept himself within striking distance. You know, he he birdied the two par fives on the back to keep himself two back. Gets on the 18th tee and makes a birdie. And if Patrick Reed three putts, he's in a playoff. So uh, it, it was another really good week for mm-hmm. Ricky. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out and wins the U.S. Open or the British Open this year. He's 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 so, an yeah. incredibly talented player. And and really, besides Jordan Spieth, I think he is the best putter of any of the top players in the world. How long till Ricky wins a major? I would say I'd be very surprised if we're sitting here uh, after the 2020 Masters and Ricky hasn't won a major. Be very surprised. Yeah, that's kind of the timeline I give it. I, I think maybe this year, maybe next year. It's inevitable. He's 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 yeah, too good. It is inevitable. He, I agree it's inevitable. He puts himself in position to win at least a couple times a year in the majors, and that's not easy to do. Uh he definitely shows up for the big events. He's won the players' championship before. He I think has won five or six times on tour. Very solid Ryder Cup President's Cup player. So Look, he's not where where Spieth and Thomas and DJ and and those guys are, and now Reed. But he's definitely that next level of golfer, and I, I really think he's going to elevate himself to be in that in that top tier uh, with the other major winners very very soon. Um, John Rahm, twenty three year old Spaniard, uh, went out yesterday, shot himself a crazy round, got himself in the hunt. He played with Ricky today. He was very steady on the front nine too. He was only two back through fourteen. Then he went for the par five fifteenth and two hit it in the water, made a bogey, and then for the last three holes, it was very fiery on the golf course. It was entertaining so, to watch. I, I only have one thing to say about John Rahm, and uh, so I get home from work. Uh, they show John Rahm. I'm watching with my in-laws, a.k.a. my roommates, and um, he he hit a shot. I think it was his tee shot on 16, and he smashed his club into the ground, and you know he was kind of like yelling, and uh, my in-laws are just like, oh, you know, I think somebody should come up and give him a penalty for that. I, <laughs> I just don't like that. And they could not get over um, his demeanor on the course. And uh, I just thought that was funny. And I, I got the feeling his tee shot wasn't that bad that he that he smashed his club. I think he was mad that he <laughs> he made a bogey on a par five where he should have easily made a birdie and uh, you know been in contention to win. Um, yeah, that was. I thought that was funny. That's all I really uh, have to say about John Ron. I mean, I think he's gonna. I think he's another one of those guys who will be a major champion sooner than later. Um, he didn't. He didn't help his reputation very much in the last, uh, at least in the last forty-five minutes of the tournament today. Even though he looks like he's thirty-nine years old, he's actually he's actually younger than Jordan Spieth. So uh, John Rahm will have his time. He's he's an incredible player. Something he does really really well, which I think was accentuated this week. He his his long putting his lag putting is incredible. I saw him hit three putts that were, gosh, over seventy feet and put them all to within a foot of the cup. So I think he's going to be around for a long time and he hits the ball a mile. Um, the other guy, it, it was really a five horse race all day, and the fifth horse was the one that I put my stake in when the day started. Did not play well. Rory McIlroy shot seventy four today, finished tied for fifth, um, and Nick. We'll get to why you missed the uh, front nine a little bit later, but you basically missed Rory. They didn't show a lot of his shots in the back nine, and the moment that I think changed the complexion of his round came super early on in the day. So 
Rory and Reed both hit terrible tee shots on the first hole. Rory scratched out a par. Reed did not. So Rory got it to it back within two shots. Rory absolutely stuffed his second shot on the par five second and had a good look at Eagle. Reed missed a birdie putt, tapped in for par. So Rory has a putt to tie Patrick Reed after two holes, a short Eagle putt, didn't even sniff the hole, makes a birdie. So even though Rory picked up two shots, he missed a key short putt early that would have tied Reed, and it, he really didn't seem to recover the rest of the round. He was really fighting his swing, was never really uh, – he, he, he really didn't look engaged after the first 10 holes, even when he could have made a run on the backside and given himself an opportunity to tie or even surpass Reed. He just didn't look right all day long to me. I uh, So, I, like I said, I caught the, a little bit of the end, and they showed him, you know – cleaning up three-foot putts, and that was basically it. And uh, I agree, he looked dejected. I'm going to go back to what I said earlier, Joe. I think that he's put a ton of pressure on himself over the last, this is, they said it's his fourth try to get the career Grand Slam. And I think every year it weighs more and more and more, especially the way those first three came. I don't want to say easily. I don't want to you know, um, discount all the work he put in. But you know, those they came quickly. They certainly came quickly. And now he's been... He's been putting all his eggs in this master's basket for the last four years. And I think I think he's put a lot of pressure on himself and, and a lot of disappointment um, once he kind of knew today wasn't his day. Yeah, and Jim Nance saying after McElroy putted out that the next person who has a chance to get a career <laughs> Grand Slam now is Mr. Phil Mickelson. And I want to get to Phil and Tiger in a few minutes. Um, I do want to take a break, but Nick, before we do... Can we please briefly talk about Nick Faldo's behavior on the 72nd hole? Yeah, tell me about it, Joe. So Patrick Reed is standing there in the 18th fairway, and he's sizing up this shot. He has to make a par to win the freaking Masters. It's like the culmination of a year of excitement boiled down into one moment. And Nick Faldo, himself a three-time Masters winner, picked this opportunity to start quoting Imagine Dragons lyrics as Patrick Reed is standing over his approach shot in the fairway. It, I would love to have seen a camera just go right to Jim Nance's face as Nick Faldo <laughs> was doing this. And it, 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 as bad as that was, Nick Faldo again started talking about Imagine Dragons lyrics after Patrick Reed won the Masters. What would, I mean, was that just a song he heard this morning? Did he lose a bet? Was this sincerely what Nick Faldo wanted to talk about? I, I, I just don't know where to go with this. I don't know. I, I couldn't make sense of it. I mean, he made it sound like, like, oh, Patrick Reed listens to this one song, like, on repeat for the last year. <laughs> like, Nick Feldo had this montage in his head, and this is the song that's playing, like, through all of Patrick Reed's, like, behind-the-scenes work, and it's finally paying off. And I'm like, you know, everybody listens to music these days when they're putting or, like, on the range. Like, I don't think a specific song, like, has anything to do with him winning the Masters. But, yeah, he's trying to make the lyrics, like, meaningful for, for like – applying them to Patrick Reed's life. Like, I don't know what the, it, it was, not, it's not even like an epic song. It's kind of a lame song in my opinion. So I don't know. That was kind of, that kind of took away from the moment to me. It, it definitely did. So we got a lot to get to still in our masters wrap up. Uh, we're going to break down our picks. One of us did very well. One of us did very bad with our masters predictions. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to talk of course about tiger and Phil. They were the story entering the tournament and they just didn't really do much over the weekend. Weren't in contention. And a lot more, and that's going to come up after the break. Joe, we've been working with Vice Golf for quite a while now. And uh, as all of our fans know, they can go to vicegolf.com, type in promo code TURN, T-U-R-N, 
and get free shipping anywhere in America. And I want to give a little bit of props to Vice Golf. Um, the school I work, Elms College, we're hosting a pretty big golf tournament next month. And Vice Golf stepped up. They're helping sponsor the tournament. They sent us 36 boxes of Elms College Blazers logoed golf balls at a very, very dirt cheap discounted rate to help out our fundraiser. And uh, it really goes a long way for our fundraiser and Vice Golf uh, can really go a long way for your game. Go to vicegolf.com, use promo code TURN, get all your balls, gloves, towels, hats, anything you need, free shipping anywhere in America. So, Nick, you're a hardworking man, and you were unable to catch the front nine of the Masters on Sunday. Uh, so what, what what was happening there? You had a work obligation? I had work obligations uh, Sunday of the Masters and Saturday of the Masters. I, uh, I work in athletics at a small school out here in Massachusetts, and I had to work softball doubleheaders both days. And, you know, go Blazers. You know, I love my Elms College. It's where I work. Um, it's been a lot of fun. But, man... It was, it was a pretty annoying obligation, an annoyingly timed obligation to have to work all weekend of the Masters um, and, and sit at a couple softball games. So, Joe, I have to ask you the question. Have you ever had to miss a big event or, or something you really wanted to be at or see or experience for some sort of annoying obligation? Nick, the year was 2006. <laughs> oh, boy. And my older brother, whom I love dearly, was graduating college. Now... College graduation usually coincides with the United States Open. And for some reason, they picked a Sunday afternoon to have the commencement ceremony. And I don't know if you remember the 2006 U.S. Open, but that was the most infamous of Phil Mickelson's meltdowns at the U.S. Open. So I'm following it on my phone in 2006, so the updates weren't coming fast and furious. (laughs) And I'm I'm following it, and I'm sitting there next to my dad, and he's a big Tiger guy. I'm a big Phil guy. So Phil has the lead of the 72nd hole of the U.S. Open. I nudged my dad. I never forget. I said, Dad, Phil's going to win the U.S. Open. And because it's 2006, we don't have the technology of saying, okay, Phil hit it here. Phil did that. You're basically just getting the score at the end of the hole. So all I see is Phil Mickelson has a one-shot lead after 71 holes. Phil Mickelson loses the U.S. Open by one <laughs> after 72 holes. And I, obviously, there was a college ceremony that happened in the background. I don't remember much of it. This is the memory that sticks out. Would the outcome have changed if I was watching Phil? That's neither here nor there. I just didn't Sometimes get to it see feels what like happened. it would, oh. wouldn't it, though? Doesn't it, though? Oh. Like if I was watching, he wouldn't have done that. He definitely would not have hit it <laughs> off the hospitality tent if I was watching him. <laughs> so Phil made a double bogey yeah. on the 72nd hole in 2006 and hasn't won a U.S. Open. So, yeah, that was that is a very vivid memory of uh, an event that I missed because of an obligation. Wow, that's that's brutal. Yeah, so, so Nick, <laughs> so, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I... I um... Another Masters topic. I mean, I think it's going to be pretty heavy Masters today. Um, Sergio made a 13, as we all saw on Thursday, and, and played himself out of it uh, real quick. My pick to win. Um, <laughs> you picked him to win it. <laughs> he looked good for a while. Um, and five balls in the water. All five, though, cleared the water, hit the green, spun back, rolled into the water. So, you know, it's kind of like, all right, well, he's obviously spinning it too much. Not a problem I've ever had. Um, but then my wife asked me, why couldn't, why couldn't he drop either from the other side of the water since that's the line that his ball 
entered the hazard or from right up next to the water, you know, with a short pitch shot over. Sure. So you're saying because the ball landed over the water and spun back, why does he have to drop it behind the water? Exactly. And it, it seemed to me like he played the shot all five times from the same spot. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. I only saw a brief highlight, but I don't know if that's how it went down. If that was his choice or, or what happened there, I could, I didn't really have a good answer for that question because she's right. In my mind, you can drop the ball from the line that it traveled. Yeah, it's no? a good question. I don't know the answer for sure, a hundred percent. But what I would assume is the type okay, of hazard that well, it is. Yeah, I I think it's because of the type of hazard that it is. You're 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 not able to do that because, for example, John Rom did the same thing today, right? John Rom's second shot on that hole hit on the front side of the green and then rolled back into the water, and he didn't get a drop from the other side. So I would assume it's the type of hazard itself. And it's a very astute question by uh, Ashley O'Brien. Yeah, it is. So maybe maybe someday we'll get a rules guy on. And you're right, the type of hazard that makes sense because I know some are. I, I'm familiar with several different types of hazard markings <laughs> on golf courses, Joe. And, and most of the ones that I'm familiar with are red. However, these ones were yellow. So you're right; they could imply a, a little bit uh, different uh, protocol once you once you get yourself in there. So, all right. Well, well, that is a good question. I thought I'd ask. And you know, like I said, maybe we'll get a rules guy on here sometime to clarify. And really, Sergio's 13. If we can just go back to that for a second. I mean, what are you doing, pal? I get it. I, I I get that you have too much spin on the ball. Maybe maybe we take an extra club in the third shot. Uh, I yeah. Think, I think you can recover from an eight or a nine, but a thirteen is really tough to come back from. And all credit to Sergio, he hit his twelfth shot from the fairway and knocked in that putt for a thirteen. Looked like he was going to make a fourteen or a fifteen, which would have been the highest score in Masters history. So at least he didn't uh, do that. But my goodness, and he did kind of recover. Like he he, I think. If you take out that one hole, I think he played just fine. Yeah. I think he would have made the cut. You know what I mean? Well. So it's not like he just kind of <laughs> yeah. threw in the towel. <laughs> right. But take out the 13. He uh, would, what I'm saying is yeah. like a lot of guys would just start making bogeys and not really care and just kind of, you know, can't wait to get done with their 36th 30 sure. hole. You know, I don't think he was that way. Sure. Um, well, I, I guess this is as good a time as any to get to our master's picks. I did bad. So I'm going to start with my picks because you did very well. Uh, my, my winner was defending champion Sergio Garcia, who missed the cut. Um, my dark horse was Kevin Kisner, who did finish in the top 30, and Louis Oosthuizen, who finished in the top 20. So that was my best pick. Uh, Nick, you did you did very well. What were your picks? Um, Patrick Reed, Rory McIlroy. So the final pairing, uh, you know, clearly. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I threw a Phil Mickelson in there, too. <laughs> yeah, so all three of your picks made the cut, and then mm-hmm. you had two in the top five, and you had the winner. Two of them, two of them were in the final group, and I had the winner. Yeah, so a pretty good showing for me. Um, I kind of made a sarcastic tweet, you know, that you know, since since all our fans are coming to at the turn for the expert predictions, you know, <laughs> here it is. But you know, it turned out to be all right. So uh, maybe we'll make a living doing this someday. Look, you have a chance for the grand slam. I want I want you to keep it going, man. You're <laughs> you're you're the only member of the at the turn pod who can still win the grand slam. This is true. This is true. I like your optimism. So let's talk about Tiger and Phil because they were the story coming into the week. Um, I could not watch enough Golf Channel coverage about Phil and Tiger montages. Like I, I, I probably watched the same like pre-produced pieces in the Golf Channel like five times <laughs> coming into the tournament because we thought Ty- – I mean Tiger Woods was the literal favorite in Las Vegas coming into this tournament. He had played very well. Tiger plays Augusta obviously exceptionally even though he hasn't won it in 13 years. He's a four-time champ. 
and he was the betting favorite coming into the week, and there was no reason to think he wasn't going to contend. He shot a 73 in the first round. He made the cut on the number, played pretty below average yesterday, and got it out of 69 today uh, to finish to finish the tournament um, in the top 35. I think he finished 31st, actually, but was really never a factor in the tournament itself. Uh, and I think it surprised a lot of people. Like, there was a roundtable discussion on the Golf Channel, and they went around the horn and said, would you be extremely surprised if Tiger wasn't contending on Sunday? And they were all like, yeah, of course I'd be super surprised. <laughs> so I think it just um, proves that even though Tiger has done a lot in this comeback, he's still got a little way to go. Yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed that he wasn't in contention for my own personal entertainment, but I'm not disappointed necessarily it doesn't seem like doesn't feel like a setback to me for his comeback. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, making the cut in the top what thirty first finish the Masters for a guy who had his spine fused together not too long ago. I, I'm cool with that. You know, yeah, I would have loved to see him in the in that group. You know, this afternoon with a chance to win it, that would have been really fun. But it doesn't feel like doesn't feel to me like a setback in any way, shape, or form. I still think he's on track. A lot of guys didn't contend to win the masters. It doesn't mean they're, you know, not going to be, you know, not great golfers, not going to win other majors. And you know what I mean? It's no, of course, no issue with it. Yeah. I mean, look, he, he made the cut. He shot around in the sixties and that's fine. I, I, I think the expectations were inflated because of his record at Augusta, but there's three more majors. And, you know, the fact that we're even having this conversation of, Oh, what a disappointment for Tiger. He finished T 32 at Augusta. As opposed to where we were last year, where like, is Tiger Woods ever going to play golf again? I'm excited. I'm excited about it. We recorded a podcast six weeks ago or less where we said a good season for Tiger would be like two top ten finishes, which he already has. Yeah. So, I mean, let's keep it in perspective here. That was, you know, that was not too long ago. If there's so, one, Nick. I, I, Sorry, I was just going to say, if there's one thing we don't do with Tiger Woods, it's keep things in perspective. <laughs> That's true. That's an unrealistic request. You're right. Uh, um, you want to talk about Phil? Uh, you're going to have to do the talking, Joe. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I saw one shot Phil hit in this tournament. Yeah, so uh, I woke up early on Saturday morning, and Phil was the one of the first people out, and early Saturday morning at Augusta was absolutely terrible. So the, everyone, all the leaders lit up the course on Saturday, um, Fleetwood shot 66, Rom, Ricky, Rory, they all shot 65 because the course was receptive and soft. And the reason it was receptive and soft is because when Tiger and Phil played in the morning, it was absolutely pouring down rain. Phil was in like a giant wetsuit. He tripled the first hole on Saturday, and it was just not fun at all. Today, he played very well, though. He shot a 67. He finished T36. And as we mentioned, he now has a chance to complete the career Grand Slam at Shinnecock coming up at the U.S. Open. Uh, but not 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 the the Masters that Phil was hoping for. He won a few weeks in Mexico, and a lot of people were liking his chances too. So, you know, Tiger and Phil, the story coming in, and they both finish, you know, T32 and T36. So, obviously disappointing, but that doesn't mean that Phil won't contend in majors again. I, I think Phil yeah. has a couple more runs in him. He's still, he you know, he, he hits the driver everywhere, but with the short game and his ability to get on fire out there, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gives it one or two more goes having a real shot at winning a major tournament. Joe, a Tiger and Phil final pairing feels a lot more like a U.S. Open than a, than a Masters to me. I'm just going to leave it at that. Oh, okay. I like that. For the next six weeks. Yeah, already, already giving uh, a preview of the picks, perhaps. I'm very excited. Um, one, so 
I want to get to some of the uh, kind of the under the radar stories that, well, now they're under the radar, but they were big at the time. So, uh, Tony Finau, did you watch video of this, Nick? I I didn't see the video, but I heard all about it. Um, I saw a bunch of headlines, and I saw one headline actually. I'm not to, not to steal your thunder. That said, like Finau overcomes gruesome ankle injury, and I'm like, I didn't see the video, but I oh. cannot imagine it was gruesome. Was it, dude? It was gruesome. So was okay. For, so for for folks that didn't see it on the the Wednesday before. The Masters starts, they have a par three contest. They have like a, basically, which sounds like the coolest thing in the world, they have a pitch and putt course at Augusta, a nine-holer, and they play a par three contest every year. And the lore is you don't want to win the par three contest because a par three contest winner has never won the Masters. So if someone's winning on the ninth hole, they'll like putt it off the green into the water. It's this whole masteries kind of thing where you don't want to win it, right? So Tony Finau is out there. He makes an ace. And Tony Finau is a big, athletic dude. Looks like he could have played college basketball. Like, he's one of those guys like D- Dustin Johnson, who seems like he'd be an athlete in another sport if he wasn't a pro golfer, right? So Finau's running down the fairway. He's very excited. As he's jumping, he comes down, and he lands funny on his ankle. And you're first, you're like, oh, that's a bummer. He twisted his ankle. But he goes down to one knee, and you can see that it's not just twisted. It is dislocated. And he oh. literally pops it back into place. Like, right there on national TV. And you're like, oh, my God, what just happened? And so as I went to bed on Wednesday night, I was watching some more Golf Channel coverage. um, And they were saying that Tony Finau was going to have an MRI Thursday morning to see if he could even play in the tournament. He shot a 69 the first day, kind of got out of the mix over Friday and Saturday. But today he birdied 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Missed a birdie putt on 18. Still finished at 7 under. And considering the video that I saw of his ankle getting turned like that, it's incredible that he finished tied for 10th in this tournament. That is. And uh, I'm going to give our fans some credit, but just in case anybody out there doesn't know, an ankle is an important part of your body for golf. And I don't want to <laughs> hear anybody saying like, oh, it's just his ankle. That, that's a really don't, good point. Don't tweet us. Don't tweet us and say <laughs> it was just his ankle. That's important. Ankles, ankle, ankles are very important to your golf swing. Yes, mobility um, and motion. To, to to go off what you said a little bit, you know who um, I think wants to be the first guy to win the par three contest and the Masters. Patrick Reed. I think, I think yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Don't you get the feeling that he's that kind of guy? Yes, and that's why I don't like him, Nick. Because that's he's why the I kind do like him. Who, because he cares about stuff like that. You shouldn't care about that. It's the <sighs> If you're a Masters winner, the last thing you should be cared about is winning the stupid par three contest. No, not that he cares about winning the par three contest, but the mindset, like you said, of some guys who, if they're about to win it, will put off the green, intentionally lose it. That's the mindset that that Patrick Reed does not have. Not that he's like, tease it up on the first hole on the par three to say, hey, I'm out here to win this. Oh, I hear you. He would never, I don't think, intentionally lose it because he thinks it's going to hurt his chances of winning the the big tournament. Well, uh, I want to talk about something more generally real quick, Nick. Uh, a, a lot of people who I work with uh, and am and around on a daily basis don't care about golf like I do. They don't care about the Masters. And so a lot of new work. <laughs> I do. I need to find new, new employment. Um, but I think today really illustrates why the Masters is the best golf tournament. You know, you can talk about tradition and the great champions and all that's true. But the kind of golf course that the Masters is, is – conducive to a day like you had today. 
inevitably someone will make a run on the back nine because there are so many birdie holes out there. You have to hit the right shots, but if you hit shots in the right places, you're going to have lots of opportunities for birdies. You're going to have people shooting around like eight under like Jordan Spieth did. Paul Casey shot seven under today. Like I said, Tony Finau, uh, Cameron Smith, both six under. And I think that is what makes the Masters so cool. And in addition, the leaderboard that we had, I'm just going to rip off the the top 12. So this is this is the final standings in order of the top 12. Patrick Reed, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, John Ron, Cameron Smith, Bubba Watson, Henrik Stenson, Rory McIlroy, Mark Leishman, Tony Finau, Dustin Johnson, Charlie Hoffman, Justin Rose, Louis Oosthuizen. I mean, that is an incredible leaderboard. I haven't heard any of those guys. <laughs> all, all a bunch of up-and-comers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah. th- I, I, that's, yeah. that's just what makes it so great. I can't, I can't argue with you. It's... Uh... I wish I would have been able to sit there and watch, you know, all four days of it, you know, maybe someday. But, um, yeah, <laughs> it's been, it, it's fun. It's fun. Even just watching the last hour and a half, you know, it's it, it's a fun it's a fun tournament. So something that I was thinking about uh, and then we can wrap up our, our 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 master's talk. We're going on 40 minutes now, but it is the Super Bowl <laughs> of golf. Um, you know, they have the thing at the Masters where if you've won the tournament, you can continue to play there as long as you want. I think it's up into the age. It's either 60 or 65 is the cutoff. But like Mark O'Mara, who won in 98, this was the last year he's eligible to compete on his lifetime exemption. You know, lifetime up until a certain year. But you have sort of this weird caliber of player who was good enough to win the Masters at one point, but now no longer really competes at that high level. So a couple of names that jumped out at me. Mike Weir, who I think has made literally one cut in a decade. Like, he's fallen that far. He won in 2003. And Danny Willett, who won in 2016, I think has dropped all the way to, like, 150 in the world. Trevor Emmelman won in 2008. He spends more time in the broadcast with the Golf Channel than playing professional golf. So I guess the question I want to ask you, Nick, is if you were Mike Weir, right, you're in your mid to late 40s, you're not really competing at a high level anymore. Would you compete in the Masters between now and when your exemption runs out? Or would you just go to the Champions Dinner, play in the par three, and not risk the embarrassment? Um, I'd probably play in the tournament. And Joe, let me let me just say a couple reasons why. Uh, first and foremost, you earned it. It's a lifelong goal for these guys. Uh, nobody can take that away from them. You know, Like I said, they earned it. Um, so there's that. Number two... You're not taking a spot away from somebody else. It's not the kind of tournament where uh, if you decline your spot, then the, an alternate gets in. There's no alternates for the Masters. So you either play or you don't. It doesn't affect anybody else. If, if, it was, if you were taking a spot away from somebody who could compete, I might have, you know, still not really an issue with it, but a little bit more of an issue. But the fact that uh, it's your right to play, you're not hurting anybody else, uh, you earned it. Um, I'd probably play until... You know, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't breaking eighty anymore at least. Yeah, I mean, they, especially I mean, you mentioned Willett. He won, you know, the year before last. I mean, he's got to in his mind still think, you know, somewhere in there is the guy who who just won this thing twenty four months ago. So I mean, those guys, you know, but like, yeah, Mike Weir, you're getting up there. Obviously, you're 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 past your prime. Um, you're you're really not going to win it. I'd still tee it up. I tee it up too because if you make the cut at the Masters, that's like fifty thousand dollars. You know, you, you have a chance at a year's salary every, every every year that you tee it up at Augusta. Now that's not a concern for Mike Weir. Probably he's I'm sure he's made tens of millions of dollars in his career, but that's also something uh, to think about. And uh, you know, for folks that are wondering, they did not because Arnold Palmer played there until his seventies. 
they didn't institute that rule until after Arnold Palmer uh, stepped away from playing at Augusta. And, uh, yeah, so that is a rule now, and, and, and that's why Mark O'Meara can no longer can no longer play there. Um, Nick, do you have anything else on, on, on Augusta? I think that's, that's a battle I have for the 2018 edition. Yeah, that, that's all I got. Um, other than the fact that I want to say we're just about a year into our podcast now, which is pretty cool. I want to say our ah. first one was right around the Masters last year. So, yeah. uh, you know, congrats, buddy. Yeah, congrats to you too, man. And also, folks, uh, that means that the Masters has concluded in 2018. The lottery for 2019. We should be getting <laughs> our emails about that very soon. And uh, we will we will post it on Facebook and Twitter, all the social media. So you also will have an opportunity to go to the the go to the Masters in 2019. I was unsuccessful last year. Nick just missed the deadline for the tickets <laughs> in 2018. Hopefully, hopefully you can uh, focus long enough to uh, try to secure some tickets for for 2019's edition, Nick. Oh, I will. Oh, you will. I love it. I love the confidence. Um uh Nick, uh why don't we what you know, we're we're solid 45 minutes in. Why don't we wrap things up? Um, but before we do, can you tell folks a little bit about kind of the side thing that you're working on for At The Turn? Because you've only told me a little bit about it, but why don't you just give the folks a tease of of stuff coming up this summer? Yeah, Joe. So I got this idea. Um, I'm going to give a, I'm gonna give a, a slight backstory. Yeah. So uh, I made this move from Hawaii to uh, to New England, and some of my golf equipment broke. Uh, my my little caddy, my, my push cart broke. And my golf bag itself actually broke. So I recently had to replace those two items, um, which I never was really planning on doing. I, I was cool with my old equipment. But then it kind of got me thinking, like, what if we tried out some equipment, tested it out, gave some reviews? Because I read reviews on a on a push cart, Joe, for like four hours. And I'm like, what am I doing? What like, are you doing? It's just, it's just three wheels and some metal. Just get one. You know what I mean? So I finally did, whatever. Um, but I was like, what if I reviewed this thing? So... Anyways, long story short, it's too late for that, but um, <laughs> I reached out to a couple companies to see if we could review their products, and the Square Strike Wedge uh, sent me a demo club to to test out, to put into use, to review, and we're going to review it on an episode coming up. Now, it's going to be probably another month to six weeks, I would say. I want to collect some data on my gang with my current wedges give this sufficient time to practice with the square strike strike wedge, get used to it. I'm not just going to throw it into rounds and then judge it based on that. You know, I want to, I want to make sure I'm using it the right way and I'm, I'm adjusted to it. Um, and then I want to collect some data on how I perform with that. And once that's all said and done, maybe hopefully mid June, um, we're going to, we're going to review it on an episode. So you can look forward to that. And hopefully some other companies will, will send us some, uh, some products and equipment and we can test those out and uh, review it for our fans as well. No, that sounds like a blast. Uh, that, that timeline, Nick, seems to coincide with uh, the annual tournament that we play in in late June. Do we know if the Square Strike will make it into your bag for the 2018 Corner Club Open? Joe, I think that will be the deciding factor on <laughs> if it's a positive review or not. You know uh, what I mean? Sure. Um, I did, just to give you a, a sneak peek, I yeah. did get to the practice range with it once. I spent about an hour with it uh, hitting that compared to my wedges. And... Um, I will just say it has some upside, and some of the claims seem to be seem to be accurate um, without without going into too much analysis. I want to keep all the analysis to one episode, so it's all in one place. That's uh, fair, you know, for the so so yeah. But I'll say uh, I'm I'm put it to use, and I'm optimistic. One thing I, I must ask you about the square strike before we wrap up shop today 
Is it legal? Is it is it a legal club? No, I gotta I gotta I gotta do the research on that. that that'll be <laughs> that'll be in the review. I have to imagine it is though, Joe. They sell the thing. I don't. They sell it as a club, not as a training aid, and so I have to imagine it's legal. But you know, I will confirm, and I'll, that'll okay. be in the review. I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited, as I'm sure the patrons. Better make sure it is before the corner club opens. Yes. Oh my gosh! If if we get out there and we like cash, <laughs> and someone sees that in your bag after a couple beers and starts getting frisky, wait a minute! Heidelberger's using illegal clubs. <laughs> I can just imagine that conversation going down now. So between now and late June, let's let's figure out if we can use that thing. We'll confirm. Okay. Buddy, uh, I'm glad you got to catch a little bit of the Masters. Congratulations on your wonderful picks. Captain America downs the green jacket, and uh, he's now he's now a major champion. Sweet, sweet words. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, folks. Oh, Joe, it's been fun. It's been fun uh, talking about the Masters and kind of just – uh, you know, going over our, our reactions and thoughts. It's been a fun one. Yeah, folks, remember vicegolf.com. Use that promo code TURN, T U R N, free shipping anywhere in the United States. We will talk to you hopefully very soon. See you next time. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at the turn.